last week on Infinite Rabbit Hole. I am very proud and excited to welcome Asher's. Without Woody saying a word, the man replied, Nice to meet you, Mr. Derenberger. My name is Cold. Met with Tanya. Mm-hmm. I've talked with Tanya. Um, you know, I've gotten kind of more of the inside story rather than just the books. This seems like uh, some sort of operation to seed the seed the alien thoughts into people's minds. You know, like make everybody think that there's UFOs and aliens. It's like a long con for the Project Bluebeam situation, in my opinion, so far. You know, his wife divorced him, and when that happened, she maintained to the day that she died. It wasn't because Indrid wasn't real. As a matter of fact, he is very real. It's because she, she, she couldn't deal with the attention anymore. Cold told Woody to look at him and stated, I am the same as you are. I sleep and breathe and even as you do. Woodrow Derenberger was not a man that prior to, to this incident was into like sci-fi. They didn't own a TV. were they being duped you know was this some form of psychological operation or i have 38 pages of notes i mean we're on page seven welcome back to infinite rabbit hole welcome back to the infinite rabbit hole I'm your host, Jeremy, and today we're going to dive into part two of the Injured Cold saga that we have here on the show. It's going to be another decently long episode. We're going to jump right into the moment when Injured Cold first showed up at Woody's home. But before we do that, let's go ahead and bring in the cast for the night. Jake, how are you doing, bud? I'm doing great. I'm super stoked for this episode. Now that we've kind of gotten into it, I'm getting the hang of it and what's going on. I'm a lot more excited than I was yesterday. So I'm uh, ready to go or last time. A week ago. A week ago. Yeah. I'm a lot more excited than I was a week ago. (laughs) (laughs) Jeff, you ready to go, man? I am ready. And I just want to say that uh, I couldn't find anything on that Bruce Parsons character. And I'm ashamed of myself. You should be a terrible person. I know. Anyways. And I would like to welcome back Ashers. Oh my gosh, it's been, I can't believe it's <laughs> been one week since I've, I've talked to you guys. It's been such a, a great week. Thanks for having me back. You're such a good liar. You. <laughs> you know what? Podcasting and, and uh, you know, filmmaking and things like that, it's, it's one of the key signs to me that I know that, that magic is alive and well, so... <laughs> time travel it was such a short week too i feel like i did nothing you know same i know right it was it was crazy (laughs) read no books which is weird (laughs) all right so we're gonna we're gonna skip the the small talk this week we're gonna dive right into the continuation of the story is everyone ready to go ready let's do it ready cool all right so Woody was still living in Mineral Wells, West Virginia one night when he came home very late from work. He claims that as soon as he opened the door of his car, he heard Indrid tell him to not be frightened and that he and Carl were on his back porch. 
Woody invited them into his house to get out of the cold, but Andrew refused as he did not wish to wake anybody up. They talked for almost two hours on Woody's back porch. They talked about the space programs they had on Lanulos and how they learned and studied and how to control gravity and manipulate distance in space. They told Woody of their world and how they never had a war erupt on their planet. They described how everyone saw each other as brothers and sisters and that they worshipped one God in a religion that they only referred to as the children of God. They believed that there was one God that created all of the worlds. Woody tried to explain that there were many religions on our planet and how often they were the basis for many wars. Indrid's opinion was that these wars were mostly because people did not have the right tools to properly communicate to one another. He said that many times it is hard to take a thought and put it into words. But, without, but with telepathy, their planet has learned to understand someone's thoughts, ideas, point of views without having to formulate words. Indrid told Woody that this planet's population should learn telepathy and that everyone has the ability to learn it as it is very easy to learn with the right teachers. During their conversation on Woody's back porch, Indrid and Carl told him of the beginnings of Lanulos and how it came to be. The legend they told was how a spacecraft had crash-landed on the planet of Lanulos, which they believed was from Earth. There were male and females on the ship, and there were also families. They worked for many years to fix the craft. The result was their failure and anger between individuals. So they broke up the group and traveled in different directions. All separated peoples began farming what they could to live. But after years of loneliness, they craved interaction with their long-lost friends. But because they were duly unfamiliar with this planet and its terrain, they were afraid to leave the immediate vicinity of their individual homes. One night, one of the men thought he could hear another's voice. A voice that was familiar, but one that he hadn't heard in a very long time. That voice he found was in his mind. The man believed that this was the thoughts of a man he had come to this planet with. So he focused for a very long time and found that he could hear his words as clear as day. During these attempts, the other man began to hear his thoughts and their conversation began on how to find each other. Through this primitive form of telepathy, they discovered each other's locations and met up together. After that, they put their minds together to find the others. They believed that the reunity of their people was a gift directly from their God. And from there on out, they devoted their lives to serving God to thank him for his gift. What do you guys think? Well, I saw this. I saw this show once. Uh, it's called <clears throat> Lost in Space. Uh, it's a series on Netflix. It's a pretty good show. I don't know, man. That sounds a little ridiculous to me. That we would have seeded this other planet, and then dude comes here. However, actually, I, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna walk that comment back because I have been known to spout the theory that Earth is just the genetic farm where they send our clones out to populate the galaxy. So, sure, I'm with it. Hmm. Hmm. Jake, I know you have something on this one. I just think it's interesting. I think it's interesting well. because 
usually I'm under the impression that all of these alien whatnots and all this evolution theory and all that stuff is just a way to get people's mind focused off of God and focused on the creation, right? We worship the creation and not the creator. So the fact that they're saying, no, we believe in God and there's only one God, not specific, but it's interesting. It's a different take on the whole thing versus like, oh, we just evolved here and all this sort of stuff. And it's just like, I don't know. I think it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That was not what I was expecting, but I like it. What do you expect me to say? <laughs> not that. <laughs> <laughs> what do you got, Ashers? Yeah. So I, uh, you know, I, I kind of I subscribe to this idea that um, I think that. And I, cause, OK. All right. Let me start over a little bit and kind of yeah. explain a little bit of, of my background. Um, I have had people come at me. I, I am very much an openly practicing witch. And, um, you know, before the show, we had kind of talked about how, um, you know, that you found it interesting that, um, you know, you, you had somebody like Jake who is, um, you know, does follow a type, you know, specific religion and that a lot of people in this community do not. And that is not true at all as what I'm finding. Um, really? a, lo a lot of people who follow Christianity um, do follow these really fringe ideas. Um, actually, they use different parts of the Bible to explain some of them. And they say, well, it's, it's in there. It's all in there. The Bible talks about these things. Um, you know, it's just people don't really pay attention to it. Um, mm -hmm. What I what I believe, and like I said, so I, I have people come at me because I'm a witch. So, you know, obviously I, I like Satan or something. Um, but, you know, which, which I don't. But um, I think that a lot of these, um, a lot of these, things uh alien life forms um a lot of things that we actually see take place on earth um weird unexplainable events um i think they're the exact same thing that people do describe in their religions and i think that whether you want to call it aliens whether you want to call them gods or angels or you know spirit spirit guides it doesn't matter i think that they're all the same thing i don't think we really hit the mark on exactly what they are um, and I think that we kind of see that, you know, also in the Indrid story. And I think that, um, you know, even, even they didn't get it right. Um, you know, I think that um, they're, they were probably are very similar to us, just more advanced, obviously, uh, more advanced um, versions of ourselves. And, um, you know, they're kind of, I think they're kind of starting to get it, but not really. Um, so it's an interesting, I mean, that, that, that whole topic is, is probably a topic for another day in general, but um, you know, I, I, Okay. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I could, you know, I, I could get down with that. Um, but, you know, again, to me, um, I, I come at this field in a very scientific scope. And I think that there's a science to it. I just think we don't quite understand it. Um, and again, I think that people, you know, then use religion as a tool to kind of help navigate and explain some of these things that we can't quite explain. Um, so I think, I think it makes perfect sense, honestly, for them to have those beliefs. Well, I'm sorry, people have come at you for being a witch. Oh, I, I don't agree with it. It's not biblically sound to be a witch, but no one convinces people of the reality of Jesus by hating others. <laughs> so that's not correct at all. You come at people with love and education, not anger and frustration, right? So yeah, so that's very unfortunate. I'm sorry that you've, you've experienced that, but uh, certainly a conversation for a different time, but if you'd like to have it, but it's... um. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think this is just a crazy different take. It's just so out of the ordinary from every other UFO, anything I've ever heard of or alien experience that I've ever heard of. 
And so I was just it like, gets better. I'm, I'm on board. I'm, I'm listening. <laughs> I've actually had a <laughs> few, I've had a few conversations with um, people who are from diff- all sorts of different religions about the idea that it, really what it comes down to is you, you either believe that like God just created the earth or created the entire universe. And if it created the entire universe, then it fits right in. It's no problem. Yeah. One of the arguments that people will make for why, you know, let's just say the, let's just pretend for a second, the government, the government knows everything about aliens, right? And they're hiding it. Um, but I mean, one of the big theories as the, one of the motivators as to why they would ha- have it is because of organized religion, um, because then that would really put a whole spin on, on how we view things around us and, uh, you know, things like that. I mean, you know, when we talk about, um, you know, and, and again, I'm just going to kind of lightly tread a little bit here, but when we talk about things like, like the Bible, um, you know, there's a lot, there's a, a lot of people that believe that we've just simply interpreted it wrong or it's been oversaturated or misused um, throughout, you know, humankind that nowadays we've kind of lost sight of what it actually means and what it actually, what the stories actually were. Um, but it is interesting when you actually start kind of delving into the um, the fringe beliefs and, and the religious fringe beliefs, um, because there are a lot of really interesting ties there. Um, but uh, yeah, so anyway, as I was saying, um, so, you know, one of the big motivators could be that um, proving alien life is out there, or at least acknowledging that alien life is out there, um, could really kind of mess us up and kind of make us, you know, more volatile towards each other. And so therefore, it's best for us to keep that under wraps to keep the peace. You know, there's a lot of people in the uh, Bible-believing community that that say that the earth is flat and there's evidence of it or that it's a, a globe and there's evidence of that. I've heard that there's aliens in it there's evidence of it and all that stuff as far as i've seen the bible is a story of the jews who were god's chosen people and their walk with god and then christ and then his walk and his ministry on earth and then the telling of the future of like revelation and stuff like the end of the world like that is the bible it doesn't have bigfoot in it it doesn't have most animals that are on earth because it's not a uh, a book about you sorry know, jeremy different types of animals you know it's not it doesn't have all the planetary names and stuff because it's not a book on space you know so if you know and there's a lot of stuff in there that leaves room for discovery so in my personal view i don't have any problem with believing that god created two planets and one of them maybe they didn't fall into sin like we did Right, the whole story of Adam and Eve in the garden, and they they turned from God and they did their own thing. They were deceived by Satan and they fell and all that sort of stuff. And that's why we have the world we have today. Um, I just I just find it incredibly unlikely. And if there is aliens in my mind, it would be like some strange looking cows somewhere on another planet. Like I don't really feel like there would be intelligent life. But Certainly, there's a lot of stuff that isn't in the Bible that we know of that exists because it's not a book about everything that exists on Earth or everything that exists in the solar system. You know, it's just like there's stuff that is out there that we can discover ourselves. So I don't know. Definitely interesting. I just want to point out one thing, and that's thank you for mentioning Bigfoot on this episode. We did not get it in the last one. (laughs) There's always room for a bigfoot. What what, what's the what's the word? Taxonomy? Study of uh, animals? Taxonomy? 
yeah taxonomical yeah it's, uh, not, it's not a book on that so if if bigfoot exists you know whatever they well, talked you, about a dinosaur in job but that's about it you know you, you guys really <laughs> haven't talked about like nephilim and and not yet cryptid oh <laughs> not yet <laughs> that's coming up oh. that's next season <laughs> Ooh. maybe i'll come back for that one but <laughs> put on the hook you're welcome back. Absolutely. <laughs> anyway, we'll, we'll get off that one. Um, okay. You know, that's, that's, that's just a topic, you know, for another day, but, uh, but no, thank you, Jake, for, for the, you know, um, I guess apologizing on, on be, behalf of your people. Is that correct? Listen, I don't hate anybody. I say I'm a practicing witch. I'm eclectic that I'm a human here having a human experience. It's not my job to know what happens when I die or I would know, and I don't know. Um, so therefore I like to respect everybody's multiple cultures and things like that and um i just kind of do what feels right you know and 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 i mean like i said if, if, if god wants me to know that he's here then then he'll he'll let me know i'm sure um but uh yeah i don't i don't hate anybody and so you know i just want to get that out of the way like i said people people kind of hear that stance and they hear me say that i believe that a lot of these things are again the same thing and tied in together um but that doesn't mean that i, I don't like you because you don't believe that or anything i i I hear everybody's point of view and that's the part that I love about my job is hearing it from different people coming from different perspectives. So, mm -hmm. um, just want to make that very clear. <laughs> no, yeah, no, I, I feel that. And like I was saying, you don't, you don't win people to Christ by hating them and, and throwing their beliefs in their face and stuff. I mean, geez, me and Jeremy, we have a great relationship. I talk to him about my faith all the time. He doesn't share my faith with me and we have a fantastic yeah. relationship. He is my best friend. So it's just awesome. like, has nothing to do with Aww. our religious beliefs or non, you know, non-religious beliefs, but it's just like, yeah, it's inappropriate for people to come at people of other faiths and values and stuff in a hateful, disrespectful, angry manner, manner. You can educate people without being a D bag. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. <laughs> love is, is the strongest feeling in the entire world. And, and if you're not, if you're not spreading it and feeling it and showing it and giving it, you're missing out and that's all there is to it. Very true. Yeah. And I even convinced Jake to to consider Bigfoot as a possibility. Well, I saw that I saw that footprint when I was camping a couple months ago, and I was like, "All right, <laughs> well, okay then." <laughs> I'm not going to say it's a relic hominid or like a missing link or anything like that, but if we, I can believe that Gigantopithecus existed, and we have different various forms of great apes in the world right now. Why couldn't there be a smaller? gigantopithecus or something of the sort so <laughs> i'm telling not? you jake just you know? wait till you hit on the on the nephilim theory just you'll get there you, you might I've, find I've something for you <laughs> i've seen that in my uh in a lot of facebook groups i follow yeah. a lot of people are saying that they're demonic that they're nephilim that they're all kinds of stuff i've brought this up multiple times and you guys just tell me no just gonna throw that out there. I have said this multiple times that they're probably a... bring her bring her back from the Nephilim thing. Let's get back to Indrid. Right, yes, go back to Indrid. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we are we are thirty minutes into a sidetrack. <laughs> <laughs> I might I might have to cut that down a little bit. <laughs> All right. Anyways, Jeff, I I tell you no on a lot of things just because I like to piss you off. I think it's hilarious. I like to do two things to Jeff. I like to piss him off and I like to get his wheels turning because you can you can hear his brain working through the microphone and it's awesome. I love you, Jeff. All right. Mm -hmm. Let's move on. Let's talk about the Lanulos government. Another topic that they discussed that night was the politics of Lanulos. The world was led by what they called the Guiding Council. The Guiding Council is an entity that comprises of representatives from each planet in what is called the intergalactic circle. These representatives are voted upon by the population of each planet. 
The benefits of joining this intergalactic circle is the sharing of technologies, medicine, and engineering, as well as the combined focus of all planets to solve all individual planets' problems. It is agreed that there is absolutely no use of force on one another in any capacity. At the end of their conversation, Indrid invited Woody to take a trip on their ship, which at this time, Woody refused. Woody arrived home at around 11 p.m., two nights after this chat. This time, Indrid and his friend, Carl Ardu, were waiting for his arrival. They sat in the front yard and again had another decently long talk, when this time, Woody followed Indrid and Carl back to their ship. Indrid again asked if Woody would like to see the inside of the ship, and this time, Woody went in and was shown almost the entire ship. On his way out, he saw a panel about as high as his shoulder that was glowing light blue. He reached his hand out to touch it, and a door slammed closed. Woody became terrified that he was trapped in the craft and that they were going to take him away. Indrid replied with a chuckle and smiled after hearing Woody's thoughts and said something along the lines of, No, we won't leave unless you want to go with us. Woody walked out after reopening the door, and Indrid said that one day soon he would be given another chance to go aboard and go for a ride. Any thoughts? This sounds like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy with this intergalactic circle. They're going to nuke the planet, and they've had the notice up on the bulletin board for forever. It's not their fault if we can't be bothered to look at it. (laughs) I was going to say it sounded like the Galactic Federation or the Galactic Federation of Light idea. Uh, Also, if you have a planet that has no wars and everybody's just getting along and everything's all good to go, why do you need the government or the mind control because that's what government really means i don't understand why you would have some form of government in that situation the other side of this is if they represent such a high order in the galaxy why wouldn't they present themselves to someone that was higher up in our governmental systems wherever that may be in the world we get into that okay don't worry that 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 will be answered (laughs) there's a reason for that do they explain why their names are Indrid and Kyle or Carl, Carl. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, Chad and Kyle, they're two white surfers from California. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, because would that be like, like their names are too hard to pronounce? So that's like, this is what my name is. Say, like, you know, you talk to a telemarketer and they live in India, I highly doubt their name's Steve, right? But we would have a hard time pronouncing it, so they'll say, Yeah, my name's Steve. Um, would it be something like that, maybe? I don't know. There was a part in one of the books, and I did have this written down. This was one of the things I cut out, um, where they followed the paths of possible origins for the names, mm-hmm. um, coming from one theory behind the whole injury cold saga or story, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but I did not include that, and I don't have that available right now. But it was touched upon in... I want to say it was the Mothman prophecies by John Keel. I think that's where you're going to get the best answer to that question. Okay. Hmm. I read a lot of books. No, and John Keel has a lot of them. So, 
<laughs> he does. He does. <laughs> Dig into him. Um, yeah. Uh, to me, um, you know what this sounds like to me um, is kidnapping. Um, right? I mean, doesn't isn't Indrick <laughs> coming off like a creep right now? Like, like the like the white van with the candy inside. Like, oh, don't you want to just you know check out the ship? Well, I'm, a, I'm a sucker for some candy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, it it seems really weird, and 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 what he's just like, okay, I guess, you know, and and he, he, he spoiler alert, alert, he falls for it, um, you know. But anyway, um, no, 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 uh, you know, back to being more serious about it, um. Do you I like think to that... see our probing station? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. It's just, it seems so fucking strange. I mean, why? I don't know. Um, you know, it's just coming off. I mean, why does Indrid want him to go so badly? Um, anyway, um, gosh, I can't. I'm trying to think of what's been talked about so far. Okay. Um, no, I think that um, the reason why, uh, to, to go back to Jeff's point, what he was saying about, you know, why would they, why would they need a government? Um, obviously, to keep the illusion of peace mm-hmm. to the civilians um you know that's i think that's a you know a a big portion of it um and i think that's honestly i'm pretty sure that's said at some point maybe not um you know so i i think that that is mentioned at some point in time somewhere in some book probably by keel um (laughs) but (laughs) it's a big story um when you talk to when i talk to tanya about it um you know that is very much what what she says is that you know there's there's a lot of things that happen outside of the planet um but there's but they are really really good about you know they're really good about protecting the people on the planet um you know because they they believe in you know conserving and and again keeping the peace and and not destroying you know what they have there um you know uh business uh, you know risky business is conducted outside of of the actual planet itself um mm-hmm. but uh yeah that's i guess that's my take on it i think that injured is you know obviously just trying to kidnap woody and and this is um now turning into a very interesting fanfic so (laughs) (laughs) so my my theory on that whole thing is that the government is are literally just figureheads you know they're they're somebody that you shoot off into you know the galactic circle and they talk on behalf of the whole planet they do it's just it's not necessarily of like governing governments as it is more of just a representative for you i mean think of it this way we have people now that want to travel across the seas and and visit faraway lands and different countries and they want to go to every single corner every single nook and cranny of this planet you know who's to say that the people of lanulos don't want to go see other planets you know if that travel is available to them you know, uh, the best way to do that is to send representatives together and get all their T's crossed and their I's dotted and uh, work that out and work out trade and medicine and, and everything. The, you know, I, I think they're just figuring well, out. Yeah, I mean, the, right. The citizens, um, the, the citizens of Lanulus aren't um, involved in like major decision making. I mean, they're on maintenance level like they're they're um, they have you know superseded to the point to where you know they they are beyond that 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 the people the citizens and the daily life work well and so they know what works and what doesn't so they just continue that way of life and don't really have a need to disrupt it um but you know i think that you know you still need some type i think that 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 is a really good um just how how you know sociology works you still you still need a lead right and so you're still always going mm-hmm. to have somebody in in a place of power in order to you know make decisions and maintain and make sure everything is is running smoothly still you need somebody to you know oil the machine and so that that's basically all that is pretty hmm. much that's that's fair 
You guys ready to move on? Yep. Ready to go on uh, Woody's first ride? Ready. Yeah, I'm ready to see what happens when he gets kidnapped by the aliens. <laughs> <laughs> All right. One night, while Woody was returning home via Route 21 from Ravenswood, West Virginia, he received another telepathic message from Indrid. This time, he said that if Woody wanted to go for a ride, now was the time, and to meet him at a place where a new highway was under construction. Once Woody arrived at the location that the ship had landed at, Indrid told him that they would bring him anywhere he wanted to go on Earth. Woody didn't know why he chose it, but he chose the Amazon forest. Sooner rather than later, they were high above the Amazon looking down at the seas of dense forests. The cover on the windows slid up, and they were able to look out and see villages and streets and people walking as they passed over. They did not stay long, and after they were done, instead of traveling back to West Virginia, they traveled directly upward and out of Earth's atmosphere and quickly towards the moon. Soon, it became obvious that they were traveling towards another much larger ship that Indrid called the flagship of Lanulos. Woody just referred to it as the mothership. As they came into contact with a docking port on the bottom of the ship, a hatch on the top of Indrid's ship opened, and this is how Woody entered the mothership. Once aboard the mothership, Woody had a chance to meet the commander of the ship and eat a meal in their cafeteria. They served a substance that reminded him of potatoes and a vegetable that was almost like green beans and a meat they referred to as katuma that tasted like white-tailed deer. After the meal, they jumped back into Indrid's craft and took a trip just above the surface of the moon. Here, Woody could see bridges over craters and a tunnel that Indrid said was used as a type of parking garage for other ships. After the moon, the windows closed again, and Indrid said that they would only be closed for a few minutes while they traveled at very high speeds. When the windows opened again, he was told that they were in the atmosphere of what they on Earth call Saturn. The planet was shaped like a giant bowl under all the clouds, and the rim was completely encompassed in ice. But at the bottom of the bowl, there were fields of agriculture. Indrid explained that the planet is not mineable, and any equipment that they use has to be flown in. After Saturn, they flew Woody directly to Lanulos. As they approached the land on the planet, they slowed significantly until they stalled just high enough off of the ground to see everything on the planet up close. They flew through cities, fields, forests, and rivers. The people below waved back to him and he waved out the window. Injured was proud of his planet and showed Woody many different sights, but explained that he would not be able to leave the craft as he would have to be immunized so that he didn't contract anything from Lanulos and he didn't bring anything here from Earth. Indrid told Woody to not worry, and that one day he will be able to land and talk directly to the people of Lanulos. Indrid continued by telling Woody that if he wishes, he could relocate his family to Lanulos, Mars, Venus, or any other planet he desired where there were people. That's the end of Woody's first trip. What do you think? I mean that's pretty verifiable. Once we get a drone to land on uh, on Saturn, we can see if it's a giant bowl. Well, hold on. Let's see what Jeff has to say about this. Why you gotta call me out just because it's got something to do with Saturn, bro? 
Oh, Saturn, space. Saturn worship. <laughs> I, I got a bunch of dots. I just haven't connected them yet. Right. You know, we're talking that the seven, I'm still stuck on the 77s. I'm still stuck with the Parsons. Now we're talking about Saturn and. I'm like, okay, there's a lot of dots here. It's all there, dude. It's a, lot, it's a lot. I was excited about this topic because I knew that there was going to be a little bit of something for everyone to talk about. And <laughs> I can't wait until Jeff hears some more stuff that's coming. So is this insinuating that Lanulos is part of our own solar system? No. Well, there's there's theories. I'll, I'll go ahead and... Uh, talk about this because i think i cut it out if not we'll just go over it again but there is a theory that lanulose is actually venus uh and that uh injured cold is actually a venetian and that they say lanulose for protection and to to kind of veer you away from the truth because i mean that wouldn't be like earth at all it'd be way colder well no venus would be hotter a lot hotter oh yeah other way okay he's like valiant thor's cousin <laughs> probably more like tesla's Mm. Am I the only one that knows about the Tesla thing? I don't know. Maybe not. No, you're not the only one. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> I, I, I said anything about it. I'm like, I, I, I read that report. I don't know. Um, you know, but yeah, anyway. Um, so obviously, um, I was right. He was kidnapped, right? And so <laughs> that's where we're at. Because mm-hmm. um, he didn't agree to this. He was like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll take a ride to the Amazon forest. And then they're just like, okay, we'll take you home now. Oops, just kidding. <laughs> we're going to Lanulos. I mean, how can you trust the guy after that? You know, um, uh, I, I'll get more into this because, you know, I feel like I, f- I feel like when we talk more about present day and what's going on currently, you know, I'll definitely have a lot more insight into that, um, you know, but I have thought about the very real possibility that if I were invited to go to Lanulos with, you know, Indrid or whomever, um, you know, would I actually do it? And, and I like to pose that question a lot and kind of get people to think about it because, um, you know, you th- it's, there's a lot of people that are like, well, yeah, I would go. But you really don't think about it, right? I mean, because first of all, you have to really decide in your mind, well, do I actually think that this is real? Like, do I think that this is a real story? These are real people or beings or whatever, mm-hmm. and that this is a real place, right? And then you have to think of the possibility of you actually getting onto a spaceship and leaving the planet, which none of us here have ever done. Very few people on the planet have ever done, right? Mm-hmm. And um, Right, Jeff? Right, Jeff? Right, Jeff? Right, Jeff? Nobody. <laughs> right, Jeff? Literally, <laughs> literally nobody asked right and so then you have to think about you know then of course not just leaving the planet but getting out of the atmosphere and then getting out of the solar system and, and you know and beyond it and these are just large concepts that just we our little puny human brains don't can't really understand um you know so i think that that is um a very interesting you know i think it definitely something like this definitely makes you think about that what do you guys think about them closing the windows so that is one of the things where I'm like, okay, this could be uh, Venus because the whole trip took about 30 minutes to get there. So why would they close the windows? There could be a couple different reasons. One, protection because the like the material the that head. slides. Well, that, <laughs> oh. that that's one of the that's one of the things, right? But let's talk about the you know uh, what are they trying to make you think, right? Let's. Uh, the material that slides over the windows may be reinforced and there's particles out there in space or, you know, I mean, if you're, if you're flying at, if you're booking a it, certain a amount, sand would go through a mountain. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So maybe there's, you know, th- this, uh, the see-through material isn't as strong as the flaps that they would put over it. 
or they're trying to protect their technology of space travel about bending space or manipulating space, or they're really just taking you next door to Venus. Or they're <laughs> dosing you up with some form of LSD and making you think that you left the Earth's atmosphere. It's actually DMT is what, is what uh, it is. Yes, yes, um, yes, 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 yes. But everybody, every ab- abductors, you know, that's in their little tote bag of ab- abduct abduction uh, tools um no uh you know i know <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that you know the covering the windows thing is interesting um i am very much of the belief that if we're traveling through space even as humans i think that uh we, we can't you can't travel through space in a, in a linear way we you never make it right you'd have right. generations exactly. upon generations you know born and die on a, on a ship before you'd make it anywhere um so that we have made that argument so much on the it's show. just impossible right it's impossible <laughs> it even and at so, light speed yeah right exactly and so and, and, and we can't get there yet right so it's impossible so they would have to be traversing it through you know hopping through um you know different dimensions and you know yeah bending space and time um so and i think that um again us being you know puny human brains with our third dimensional lives and stuff we can't grasp that and i think that it is very possible that if we were in a situation where we were experiencing the bending of space and time it, it would completely destroy us true i, I don't think we can handle it it could have been for Woody's protection, mm-hmm. like his his mental protection, yeah. and I, I could I could see that absolutely. I just want to comment that Asher, as you said right in the beginning, you're like, how could you trust him after that? I think that the trust ish level comes back if he returns home unviolated, and it's like, all right, well, it wasn't that bad of a trip, you know? Got to well, see my some cool stuff. Fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That's that's what I'm getting at, you know. <laughs> Well, sure. I mean, but, I guess just like with meeting anybody, I mean, you have to you have to suspend a little bit of trust in them in order to to have that, you know, play out over the course of your friendship. So what makes this dude so important and so special that he's the one that's in contact? That's what I still don't understand. We'll get there. So uh, actually, I think I cut that out. Ooh. He had really pretty eyes. <laughs> <laughs> this is the guy. <laughs> he's got hazel eyes. We've been looking for this one. <laughs> Let's go with the easiest way to answer this, right? So there were multiple accounts of people being confronted by this craft. And most of those accounts, people ran away. So it wasn't necessarily that they chose him. It's that they chose that stretch of road. They made multiple attempts and they found somebody that finally listened to him. So somebody, they, you, the guy who was the most gullible, no disrespect to the man, but the one who was the most gullible is the one that, okay, I got you. I got Basically. You. Most gullible or most willing. I, I don't <laughs> think it's, I don't think it's necessarily, uh, you know, being gullible. I, I think that if a, if a spacecraft landed in front of me and somebody walked out looking like a human being, uh, okay. Let's uh let's hear what he's got to say. Nope, shoot first, That's ask me. questions later. <laughs> so basically, <laughs> I almost got carjacked one time driving home from work. Two o'clock in the morning, I was a uh, night checker, and uh, two people were crossing the crosswalk. There's me and another guy. Three lanes, and then a left-hand turn lane. It was a big intersection. Two guys, one stops in front of each of our vehicles. I see the guy come up to my window, and I look over, and the other guy's walking up to the other guy's window. 
this idiot is rolling down his window. He's got one of the crank ones, so he's rolling it down to see what the guy wants. As my guy gets to my window, he starts reaching behind him and then starts pulling a handgun out, and I floor it, right? And I, I get out of there. So he was the other guy. <laughs> he was the other guy that was like, oh, howdy, sir. What would you like? You know, completely oblivious to any situational awareness around him. <laughs> like, I guess I'm getting carjacked. <laughs> I guess I'm getting right. taken in the spaceship to Venus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. I mean, yeah, I mean, we, you know, we kind of touched on that a little bit. Um, you know, but I think Jeff's question was more so why was it Woody instead of, right? And because you kind of right. asked earlier. And so um, they don't, they didn't want, I mean, and that was the part I said, you know, I, I'm pretty sure you're going to get into. They didn't want to make contact with like higher up authority and things like that. Um, so therefore, uh, yes. you know, they, they were going to go for somebody that, you know, they weren't going to go directly to, you know, one of our, one of our masters here. They were going to go to just an average everyday person and whomever it was that was going to give him the time of day, you know, he, he was going to take, you know, whoever took the bait, they were going to take mm. him up on it. So. Yep. Fair enough. I and guess. ruin his life and his finances. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's that well, was his fault. He's the one who told. I don't know. Injured seems like a bad friend, you guys. Like to be honest with you, he seems like a really bad friend. Very self-centered. Yeah. Very, very self-serving, I should say. Well, no, because there was that. <laughs> there's one case, and I think I pulled this out, so I think we're safe. But uh, I can't remember exactly who it was, but somebody had some sort of illness, and Injured gave Woody something to give to that guy, and it cured it. Ashers, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I'm. Well, yeah, I think so. Um, I, I'm pretty sure that that's. I don't know. That's the story. Yeah, I don't know. it's a weird that's one. That's why I cut it. Uh, that's why I cut it out because I didn't. Yeah, no. <laughs> like, there's oh. a lot of really weird, um, injured stories, and and eventually, you know, like I said, once we get to current current data, I've got I've got some to share. But, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I mean, obviously, I don't think injured's a bad guy. Um, but but he is very selfish. Um, you know, and I think that there's a lot. You know, I mean, he's supposed to be friends. I mean, they were friends. I mean, you know, Winter thought that they were this is his best friend. Like I said, they they raised their families and things together, which we'll get to that. But like, you know, the guy couldn't just come out and be like, "Yeah, I am real." Like here I am, which I guess he had reason not to. But like instead, he was just going to let his friend's life fall into shambles and just be like, "Oh, sorry, you know, <laughs> so, yeah. sorry about your luck," and just kind of leave it at that. That part seems kind of strange. I don't disagree, but he did offer to take his family and relocate. He them did to probably somewhere where they could have thrived. Yeah, that's true. I guess you're right. <laughs> and as we're about to get into on his second trip to Lanulos. Are you ready for that, guys? Go on ahead. <laughs> hey, everybody. Bear with us while we take this quick break. Hey, guys. I'm Ashers. And I'm Pat O. And every Wednesday, we talk weird. It's a weekly podcast bringing you the latest in cryptozoology, ufology, conspiracies, the occult, and all the latest in Fortean news. Everything from the ooky to the spooky. It's like Coast to Coast AM for people who fuck. Search for On Wednesdays We Talk Weird anywhere you get podcasts. See you guys next Wednesday. May 11th, 1967, Woody was on his way to Pomeroy, Ohio for work when he received another message from Indrid asking if he would like to go to Lanulos again. The problem this time was that the meetup place was not safe enough to leave his truck this time, so Indrid's friends... Clinell and Elvane Kletaw 
Clinell, being from the planet Cernibus, devised a plan for Clinell to drive Woody's truck to Pomeroy and parked somewhere non-suspicious while being followed by Elvane in a blue Volkswagen. A little side note, this Volkswagen is a very popular vehicle uh, when it comes to Injured and his crew. Uh, I don't talk about it too much, um, but there I've read and heard other podcasts and documentaries that dive into the Volkswagen. Um, I just didn't see it as a very big part of the story, so I kind of left it out other than this little little notation here that this is a popular thing uh, when you're talking about injured Cold and his crew. What year was it? Uh, <clears throat> no idea. Um. No idea. Anyways, in a blue Volkswagen, who would drive Clinell back to the ship where they and the car would be taken on board? This time, when Woody entered the ship, he met a few more of Indrid's people. His wife, Kimmy, two members of the ship's crew, Tony and Daryl, and of course, Indrid's second-in-command, Carl Ardo, was also there. In Woody's best estimate, the trip of two Lanulos took roughly 30 minutes this time. As they drew closer to Langulos, the ship's medic, Daryl, gave him a shot in the arm and an antiseptic shower to prepare Woody for his first contact with the atmosphere of Langulos. The first place they visited was Indrid's own house. The house was made of what Woody described as normal everyday bricks and glass, but the house was very beautiful. As Woody entered the house, he and his first contact with someone from Langulos on Lanulos was Indrid's own children. The first was his oldest son, Conrad, who was 12 years old, followed by his son, Connor, the second oldest of 10 years. Then finally, Indrid's youngest, a little girl named Kimulus, only five months old. He was taken on a tour of the house by the colds and was fascinated by only a few differences compared to a typical earth home. One being the stove in the kitchen dining room area, and the other being the laundry room, which was completely different from what you might expect on Earth. The entire room was the washer and dryer. Clothes were simply hung on different sized hooks and racks, and when the door closed, they were sprayed by the room with a sanitizing spray and dried in the dehumidified air, which also left the clothes wrinkle-free. After the tour of the house, Indrid took Woody on a tour of the closest city, or what the planet of Lanulos calls a gathering. On Lanulos, the cities were not given names like those on Earth. They were given numbers. This one was called 27 Gathering. Some very noticeable features of this quote-unquote gathering were the sidewalks were moving for you. You stood on them and were simply taken forward on your chosen direction. Everyone was nude. The people of Lanulos only wore clothes for warmth, and on days that clothes were not needed, they simply did not wear any. This made Woody stick out like a sore thumb. Many of the Lanulosians were hesitant to talk or approached Woody, but after Indrid had told them exactly who Woody was, a few were more comfortable with talking to him and shaking his hand. Soon after, Indrid and Carl took Woody into a restroom and asked him to get undressed. This was so that they can continue their business and not draw so much attention to Woody and the group. This time, Woody stood out in a different way. On Linulos, there were very few underweight or overweight people, and Woody, being an overweight man, 
he still ended up drawing some attention to himself. Their first stop was to a department store where Woody had his hands held by Indrid and Kimmy as it was not allowed for Woody to bring anything back to Earth from Lanulos. So for good measure, they held his hands. Then they head to a factory where everything was similar to procedures on Earth. One major difference, though, was how people washed up before leaving work. There was a large pool of sorts that had soap and overhead sprayers that people would walk through and clean themselves as they exited the facility. After that, they took a trip in what Woody best described as a Lanulogian car, which had no wheels and hovered over long ditches which acted as their roads. At the bottom of the ditches, there were massive jets of air that kept the vehicles floating. Their trip took about 10 minutes as they traveled 30 miles, which calculates to roughly 180 miles per hour. At the end of their trip in the car, they found themselves at 28 Gathering. The last place they visited was a small farm where Woody met a family that had relocated to Lanulos from Earth. John and Carolyn Peterson from Acapulco, Mexico, and have been on Lanulos for 40 years. Woody was a little shocked by this, as they only looked to be about 50 years old and were very athletic and active. John told Woody that he was actually around 90 Earth years old and that the planet of Lanulos does wonders for an earthling's body. The Petersons raised seven children on Lanulos and had zero interest in ever returning to Earth. When Woody arrived back on Earth, it was roughly 10 p.m., and they were met by Clinnell and her Volkswagen, who dropped her off, who dropped him off at his truck, which was now parked in Parkersburg. Okay, I got a problem. I got problems. Okay, let's do it. <clears throat> First of all, this sounds literally like somebody who has like a sci-fi vision from like the fifties, right? Like, right. That's exactly what this sounds like. It sounds like okay. You have, you know, because you know what I'm talking about, right? Like back in the 50s and in the 60s, they had like a certain idea of what the future would look like. And it's the whole Star Trek. It's idea. literally like they just, it was in an explanation. I had my eyes closed while you're explaining it all. And I was just picturing like this 50s future vision planet. Mm -hmm. Not only that, how come this dude didn't get, pick up some bacteria or some virus, if you believe in viruses <clears throat> and uh, die? <laughs> right or the other people who relocated there how come they weren't dead i mean we've evolved for thousands some would say possibly millions of years to withstand and our bodies to fight off all these different bacterias and viruses mm -hmm. uh you would there would be a totally different set of things over there and you would pick one up and you would be dead that's the whole idea of war of the worlds when the aliens came here they all died because of the bacteria did you miss the part where i said he was getting injections and showered and stuff no i heard that but that doesn't what so I'm, well you don't know what's you're in just gonna injection. spray some lysol on me and i'm good hey you don't you don't, you don't know what their te medical technology is man i don't know man. i mean shit if you're if you're let's just say you're in the point of view of woody Darenberger, right you're being flown across space to go to another planet i mean if they're telling me that they have that technology and then they're like, hey, take the shot, you'll be good. But then they also got <laughs> air jets keeping their cars hovering over ditches, but they can travel across the freaking galaxy. Ooh, what about? They got a what laundry about, room, living room. That, like, come on, man. What come about? On, man. Uh, I don't think it's a killer. So like the bacteria thing, right? You can't go outside because you might pick something up or take or bring something with you. What about? 
um, Indrid and uh, and Carl making contact with Woody over and over and over again. They never gave him anything that was a foreign entity to his body. Well, no, I I think it's the same thing as what you know Jake, me, and you go through when we go to another country. And oh, I get crazy we get, sick. We get well, yeah, but we also get sick. Dude, how many shots do we get before we can go? No, I'm. Yeah, but I mean, I'm saying that like you're talking about a civilization that's way more advanced. That's what I'm saying. Way more I'm, medical. I'm saying that their bacteria and stuff would be different on their planet. That's what their fear oh, was no, get... at the first visit. So what about all these interactions that the two aliens had with Woody all these different times before taking him to those pl- the planet and taking him out of the spaceship and all sorts of stuff? He would have gotten something well, from him, right? I think he's immunized, immunized. (laughs) (laughs) I think he's got shots. I think he took shots. And I, I don't know if you're, if you're looking at this, this story from the point of view of this being true, I do not think that it's too far fetched to think that if they have the technology, the engineering technology to be able to travel fast distances in space and bend space time, to their liking, literally manipulating it to whatever they need to think that they can't go to another planet and have some sort of immunity. Why do I have Well, a this is the thing. It, it, it's like there's the consistency here is off because, yes, they could have this advanced technology to do these things that you're talking about, but also they've got air jets making their cars over and they got like, I don't know, it seems like super advanced and then you get there and it's not super advanced. They're using hovercrafts, but reversed. Well, I don't know, man. I mean, think of it like, think of it like our us, right? Every, so, I picture the hovercraft thing that they that they use as like a big old grid system, right? You shoot straight and you shoot back. I think it's a simplified version of what we. What have. I'm saying is, if you can bend space time and travel the galaxy in an instant, why wouldn't you have some form of teleportation on planet so you don't need vehicles you don't need moving sidewalks you could just teleport to where you need to be why would you have a why would you have a uh what kind of store was it that they went to of uh it's like a walmart why would you have a walmart uh, yeah but you're you're not thinking of what the energy consumption for for that kind of technology could be i mean why would i have a teleportation device that could literally suck energy like an open faucet when I could just simply walk down the street to the store, you know what I'm saying? It, why would you expend that amount of energy for not, something that's literally not helping the race or the 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 beings on that planet? Whereas in space travel, does that is you know divvying up that particular energy source to something useful? Well, why? I- I, I don't necessarily subscribe to this idea because I, I do believe in things like free energy and, uh, you know, like being able to suck energy out of the ether. And if you're if you're bending space time, you're able to do that, I would imagine. Right. But even even free energy only has a cap on how strong it can mm. get. Now, I mean, there are transformers that can build energy. It multiplies energy up or down, you know, multiplies or divides. But. You don't know what they're using for their energy. You are they really using want solar this power? To be true, are they, don't you, Jeremy? No, I'm, <laughs> no, I'm <laughs> the whole thing about the infinite rabbit hole is that we don't create an echo chamber, right? 
So I'm talking on behalf of the people that are listening to this. And they're like, what the fuck are these guys talking about? Do I believe it? I'm going to save my opinions for the end of the show. But I don't think that I think that what you're talking about personally, for real, is not something that I would get caught up on. I, I it just doesn't. There's other things about the story. I want to take Jeremy's side for just a second. When I was listening to that audio clip that you sent me of that broadcasting when he did the interview, um, he did say that the entire time the spacecraft was next to his vehicle, that it was hovering, like whatever he said, eight to 10 inches off the ground. And that when it took off, it made a fluttering sound. And he said specifically, it sounded like a helicopter that was idling, just a as it took off. So I believe that maybe they use they use that interdimensional travel thing to get between dimensions, but to just make simple movements like going down the street or whatever, they use some sort of air pressure technology, or they did. So in that right. sense, it would be compatible with the uh, with the cars going down the street with the air blasts, you know, keeping them up. And maybe they have a reverse force that's kind of keeping them in the same spot or something like that. I don't, I don't know. But that would be – that's not the thing that – that's not the hill I'm willing to die on. The hill I'm willing to die on is, is this whole virus thing that they were constantly in contact with him. And, yeah, they could have been immune to everything. But that's not to say that their ver- version of germs and bacteria and stuff wouldn't have – you know, they wouldn't have breathed it on him. He wouldn't have gotten it off their clothes or anything like that and then died from it, especially if they're so concerned in the first trip that he's not allowed to leave the ship because he might take a foreign body with him or bring one over. So I think that there was there's a little bit of a mystery in that one as far as like, you know, what was one of the biggest problems we had Come, you know, the colonizers coming over to America was infecting all the Native Americans with uh, with the diseases we brought over from Europe. Now, they had their own version of stuff that they were immune to. Um, I think that there was a couple STDs that they were totally cool with having. Their bodies were developed to fight it and stuff. And when our guys got over there, they brought that back to Europe. So we kind of exchanged bacteria and stuff, and some of it was rather harmful. Now, in our own circles... We were totally fine with these forms of bacteria because this is what we were raised around and grew up around and had in our bodies and all around us and all sorts of stuff. But when we got around other people that weren't used to that sort of stuff, it killed a heck of a lot of people. So why wouldn't this be the same thing? Because if it was, it is a different planet, even if it's similar to Earth, that doesn't mean that it wouldn't be different germs, different bacteria, different viruses, that sort of stuff. So that's that's the thing that's kind of boggling my mind right now because he got vaccinated and stuff when he was there. Not when they were in right. his house talking to him, breathing all over him, you know, all that sort of stuff. Asher's, I know you're there. <laughs> yeah. <I'm> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, arguing. Yeah. No, it's okay. I, I'm enjoying listening. Um, and then this is this is why I'm really good at my job. Um, here's the thing, guys. I've asked these questions to Tanya. Mm-hmm. Both of them. Um, wh- which one do you want me to, to do first? Do you want me to do like the uh, the, like the everyday Bacteria. living? Right, right. We want to start with bacteria. Okay, so uh, all right. So yes, this is something that actually um, I was extremely interested in because I met Tanya during you know 
the state of affairs now um you know how this whole pandemic thing and stuff so i want to know how that affected them um you know and and what the deal was so so the thing about it is is that this was an experimental risk whenever indrid met woody and they knew this okay this wasn't just a completely unplanned event it wasn't just indrid got in a ship and said, eh, you know, I'm bored today. I'm going to go visit, visit Earth and I'm going to go find someone and blah, blah, blah. There, there mm-hmm. was some type of motive behind it. So they realized and meeting up with some, you know, people from Earth that there was going to be some type of, you know, of risk involved of, you know, either something yeah. happening here. Now, granted, there are, like we see, there are other instances where Woody isn't the only one, right? And mm-hmm. so they've made contact with other people. And so they've kind of done this over and over and over again, um, but they've done it with different, different, you know, humans with different types of compositions yeah. and things like that to kind of test against kind of the whole population to see what would happen if we met somebody like this or somebody from there, or, you know, whatnot. Um, so this wasn't, and this wasn't like a happy accident where they just kind of didn't really think about it. No, they've thought about it. Um, so, I mean, there was that risk in place. Now, what they had found <laughs> was in visiting Woody, you know, obviously um indrid and and carl they are um they do have special care in place because they are out there traveling around everybody on lanulose doesn't just leave lanulose all the time like that's not that's Mm -hmm. not atypical um you know even though they have the technology they don't just be like i just want to leave the day and they do kind of like Um, our astronauts exactly well exactly we have our own own people that do that thing Right. Yeah. And, and I'll, I will get, and, and that is directly connected to, to what Jeff was talking about. And I'll get to that in a minute. So when they leave and they, and they go places, you know, we've already know that they've talked about things like the flagship, right? We know that they've talked about like using the moon as like some type of parking garage. So they're stopping off at different places also to quarantine, to clean themselves up before they go back home to their planet. So it's not like they don't have stops along the way that they can't make and precautions that they can't take before they come back home. They're not just going straight to and from. And mm-hmm. so that, and, and that, and I guess, you know, that is pretty much as much sense as, as I could make of it in talking to a middle-aged woman from West Virginia um, <laughs> and asking her about it. But that's her understanding of it is that, you know, again, it's not like they're just coming willy-nilly. You know, these are planned trips that, you know they they know beforehand kind of what they're going to do um and they've watched us for a lot longer than just this time period with 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 woody so it's not like they're they're totally in the dark when they come here um so as mentioned it's not like they're just leaving lanulose to come to earth all the time um you know why do they have such kind of primitive technologies on their planets when they have these amazing capabilities outside of that we know that they do because they're coming here but we know that it's kind of primitive because it seems kind of goofy when we go there and go hey wait a minute it's kind of normal mm-hmm. why don't i own a tank right it's it, that's that's more efficient to me tanks are much safer on the road right it, it's it's very it would be very advantageous of me to have a tank and drive a tank every day to work but i don't have one right so it's not like we don't have our own technologies right here on our own planet that are better than what we have in regular everyday use life, you know, and that's that's the same concept. And so, I mean, I agree, you know, I don't think it's something to get, you know, entirely too hung up on because I think that the simplest answer is the simple answer. It just doesn't really make a lot of sense to have that kind of stuff available to the populace at any given point in time 
they don't need it. It's not necessary. So why would you mm. waste the time and money and resources and effort and in putting into um, not just giving this product to people, but then also making sure that it works for, again, this um, very, um, you know, utopia based type of, um, you know, ecosystem that they got going on there. Um, you know, so that that's really the best, I mean, really the best way to put it. Now, granted, I guess I haven't really asked about the Walmart part of things yet. I probably should. <laughs> I, maybe I, like, I will. I like that. It's like, yeah, you're absolutely right. Why don't I fly a helicopter across town? Right. I wouldn't have to deal with any of the traffic. Ex you know? Exactly. That makes sense. It makes perfect sense. But we know, like, thinking about it, well, that's just silly. Well, why exactly is it silly, though? I mean, it, it, it's more self it's more sufficient, but but we don't just have that readily available, um, you know, and we just don't. I mean, I, maybe we need to start a movement, guys. We all need tanks and helicopters. <laughs> I don't know. I'm on board I, with this. I, I honestly, I think that if the government has it, I should have it, too. But that's another thing. <laughs> I, I agree. Yeah. I think that he was a bad friend. He should have said at the initial See? interaction, be like, hey, man, some space aids might have slipped through the cracks and we were sanitizing <laughs> on the moon. Just letting you know. Anyway, I, what's your name? <laughs> and he just wasn't going to tell him. I mean, and, and, and you know what? Yeah. That's that's the case. And so, you know, we do man, have to wonder, him, like, um, well, we have to wonder. I mean, if, has this happened? Do we have other things, um, you know, with, within the study of virology that hasn't maybe come from space or come from this contact that we just haven't really looked that much into and we just went, oh, yeah, it's a new virus that just cropped up. Or maybe mutations have happened because of outside influences that are coming from space. You know, uh, we know mm -hmm. that it happens. Um, we know that, you know, bacteria and viruses do interact when things come in on like meteors and stuff like that. So it's it's not, it opens up a whole new possibility, you know, a whole new world of possibilities. But um, yeah, you know, again, it's it's not like they they didn't know that that couldn't happen, but they took the risk in the name of scientific discovery to do it because you kind of have to in, in science, you know. Somebody's got to be the martyr, and it, it, and it was Woody, and he got lucky. He just had no <laughs> idea, and they're like, "Hey, you well, survived. Good job." Yeah, <laughs> I guess we'll let you visit us now. I don't know. It's <laughs> basically it. Yeah, yeah, Jeff, take that. <laughs> hmm. All right, I guess. He's not buying shit. <laughs> he just, he just cro crossed off one bullet point in the 15 he has written down, and we're not even halfway through. <laughs> He's just like, mm -hmm. next, <laughs> I guess. All right. Oh, Ashes, you said that a lot better. Thank you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's because I told you, I asked Tanya these questions, so that's from her. I don't, I'm just telling you what she told me. So, <laughs> well, then awesome. You're a fantastic investigator. Yeah, thank that's you. Awesome. You gotta you gotta thank cover you. all the bases and stuff. You know, ask all the questions that it's like someone's gonna ask this. I better have an answer for it. You know, what about this? I well, what about this, Tanya? No, <laughs> you know, I I made a I made a meme literally yesterday, and the reason why I made it was because I was inspired by um one of my one of my buddies, Tobias Whalen, who also does this this whole world of the weird, and um you know he he had made like a tweet, and it was something like um you know I'm I'm pro high strangeness, but I'm anti bullshit, so that puts me in a really a bunch of really awkward <laughs> positions, and let me tell you something, it's it is a thin paper thin line that you really walk sometimes because if you really want to prove that these things exist you have to be willing to accept that you're fucking wrong and so like <laughs> when you're investigating some of these people it's like all kinds of crazy stories i mean really there's this mm. lady that thinks that bigfoot turns into a mist and enters her apartment every single night I, you know that's probably 
Bigfoot you know. Facebook pages. Oh man, that's uh, like the yes, predator exactly. and stuff. Yeah, it's <laughs> yes, nuts. It's crazy. And so you have to, and that's my thing all the time. You have to make it make sense. If it doesn't make sense, then it's probably bullshit. You know, either there's a scientific explanation that we don't have, or it's probably bullshit. So yes, when I try to talk to now, I've never stood in someone's face. Well, that's not true. I have stood in some people's <laughs> face, and I'm like, hey. like the dude. There's a, I'm not gonna get into it, but there's a guy with You're like a huge following on yeah. YouTube, and I just straight up told the guy i'm like listen dude you're fucking lying <laughs> and you know it, it turned into a big to do but with my witnesses people because i do genuinely believe that people like tanya whether or not it is happening i think she actually believes it is and so therefore these people have to be handled with with very very gentle kid gloves however i'm not going to be afraid to ask them the hard questions because if they can't answer mm-hmm. the hard questions then it's probably bullshit so yeah that's my that's stance fair. Couldn't agree more. Anyway, continue. Okay. All right. Rough. Um, all right. I love it. I like it, though. I like it. Yeah. It's awesome. It's cool. One night, a young man by the name of Jin, of Jim Hackett Jin. knocked on Woody's door. Jin. Shut up, Jake. <laughs> knocked on Woody's door and asked if he knew anywhere that he could see UFOs clearly at night. Woody told him that the best place was a few miles outside of town at a place called Boggle Ridge, and the best time was just shortly after dark. A few nights later, Jim had returned to tell Woody about something that had happened to him. One night, went out on Boggle Ridge. You better not. No, don't write butthole, you fucking dick. Stop it. He's on my thing. We we use Google uh, Drive so we could share oh, okay. and everything. And he, he's on there trying to make me say butthole. He's... <laughs> You've now said it twice. So, I mean, who's yeah, winning? I, well, I I'll, won. I'll edit it out. <laughs> <laughs> edit the shit out. Anyways, after the recommendation from Woody to check out Boggle Ridge, Jim went out there and saw exactly what he was looking for. The problem was that nobody believed him. So the night after, he took his cousin Darla Sarger out to the spot. It was a stormy night, and there was no way to see any stars as the clouds were very thick. But soon after they got there, a brightly lit craft was descending towards them and seemed to land behind where they were parked. Soon after, Jim began to hear a voice in his head, followed by a tapping on the passenger side window that scared the shit out of him. Whoever butthole had knocked on the window... (laughs) It's like Anchorman. If it's on the script, he has to read it. You have to read it. (laughs) Whoever had knocked on the window walked to the back of the car and and telepathically asked if that was his wife. Jim was scared, but answered out loud, no, that's my cousin. The voice in his head asked him to come for a walk with him and to leave her in the car with the doors locked. You'll be back soon. Jim reluctantly did as was asked, and was brought to a metal pinkish craft that had another human-like being standing near it. These beings asked for his moccasins and told him that they would give them back soon. Jim yet again did as was asked and returned to the car. The next night, he came back to Woody's to ask if Woody would come with him and Darla to retrieve his shoes back from the beings at the same location tonight. Woody agreed, and told him that he would be bringing a friend along. At this time, Woody reached out telepathically to Injured, and told him what had happened, in which 
injury replied, saying that this was not his people. Jim, Darla, and Woody arrived on the ridge and parked the car at the same place Jim was parked the night prior. As the three men walked down the road to where the craft was to be, three silhouettes stood in the tree line, following them down the road. These shadows were injured Cole, Carl Ardo, and another of injured's crew, Demo Hassan. As Woody and the group approached the craft, the trio of Lanulogians approached from the back and forced the beings into their ship. Indra knew exactly who they were and explained that they were what they referred to as humanoids and that they were from an entirely different galaxy. They had very human-like features except for the areas immediately around their eyes and the hairs on their heads, which were more quill than hair-like. On their planet, the rules of possessions are a little bit different. If someone finds something, it's now theirs. So in their culture, when they ask you for your shoes, they were not meaning to be rude. They probably wanted to use them to help fit in here on Earth, but you were never going to get them back. In fact, if they hadn't come with, they would have probably persuaded Jim and Woody to give them everything they had. Injured continued by telling Woody to take everyone back to his house and that Jim would get his shoes back soon. The last thing they saw was injured ship escorting the humanoid ship out of the area. The next morning, Jim's belongings were on his front porch and cleaned. In February of 1967, shortly after the events with Jim Hackett, Woody received a phone call from an unnamed but apparently well-known doctor from Vienna, West Virginia. The doctor told Woody that there were two large pink ships floating low above his house. Woody invited the doctor and his family to join Woody and his family at their house. As the family traveled to Woody's, the UFOs followed. When they got to Woody's house and he saw that these ships followed them there, Woody reached out telepathically to Indrid. Shortly after, nine ships, including Indrid, showed up and escorted the pink ships to a field near Woody's house. Indrid reached out telepathically to Woody and told him they were going to escort the humanoids to the fringe of our galaxy and that they had agreed to never return. Later, Indrid would tell Woody that these beings were the ones that Betty and Barney Hill had encountered in their famous alien abduction story in September of 1961. Alright guys, thoughts on that? What do you think? Well, that's not finding, that's called stealing. <laughs> well, that, that that's the whole point. So they they go that they go in a little bit more into detail in multiple books mm-hmm. on this particular incident, and that in their culture, it's not stealing. This is how they well, not the only way they obtain things, but this is this is part of the way that they obtain things, and this is completely normal. This is not a criminal act in their culture. Hmm. So the, the the rules of possession for them is far different than what we perceive as the rules of possession. Can he speak to Indrid at any time? Yes. Just talking to him telepathically? Yep. I don't know. This is reminding me of any fantasy movie where they give him some like magic horn and they're like, blow this when you're in trouble. And somehow, no matter where they're at and the other people are at, they come find them very short time late, you know, after. And it's like yeah, like the Santa Claus where he has to to shake the yeah, the or like the line the witch in the wardrobe where she has the horn where she blows it and then suddenly Aslan shows up. Yeah, it's just like 
I don't know. But and I know those are probably I mean those could be based off of this. I don't know. But it's like the Green Ranger, bro. <laughs> 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 yeah so i mean <sighs> hmm say words jake i don't have words to say butthole butthole <laughs> that is a good word it's not anyways Ashes, you got anything to add to that yeah um you know you're, you're well the question i'd like the question that was posed of if he can talk to to mm-hmm. injured at any time um tanya tanya can't she can but she can't um so the way that like she explains it to me and, and i don't know if maybe woodrow had a very similar situation um but it's something that you kind of have to um i mean it's channeling basically i'm sure you guys have, have heard that term before mm-hmm. um you have to really kind of get into more of a meditative state and then you can reach out and make contact but it's not at any given point in time so like you know which could just be a cop-out i don't know so if i sat down with tanya and i go and and we don't know each other and i go okay tanya now yeah call call injured right now you know she can't do it because then she's under pressure and and then you get like performance Mm, anxiety or whatever you know and uh and then you know it doesn't really she's not comfortable right and so um you know that's that's how she she relays it to me i mean of course now that we're getting a lot more comfortable with each other i'm hoping that you know that's that, that's my obviously my goal in talking to tanya is to meet indrid um but you know so this is kind of the only way i can do it is through her um but yeah i mean she kind of ex- explains it that way um which i find very interesting because um you know with people that do claim to talk to whether it be aliens or whether they're talking to spirits or you know mm-hmm. oh, i'm I'm speaking you know i'm speaking with the spirit guides or whatever um you know culturally this is kind of something that that we experience as a human collective across the board um everybody has their own version of this uh, no matter in what area you are of the entire world so it checks out hmm. that part checks out i think that's cool jeff you got anything bud nope i'm still tracking still think it's All probably right. bullshit but I'm with you. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry, man. I was into this no, for no, a you're minute, good. and then and we got into the you know, a couple of the things, and I was like, eh, I don't know. It gets better, man. Know. There's we're not even halfway I, done I, yet. There's a lot. Jeff's probably thinking this is like the <laughs> Mel's hole of like alien abduction. <laughs> I'm, here, bro. I'm still here. <laughs> no, Jeff. I'll tell you this part of the story. This I didn't. I didn't buy this. This either. I was like, this bullshit. This is just ridiculous. It, it does get better. I promise. Yeah. I mean, I believe in in like channeling. Like all that is not the problem for me. I'm just kind of still stuck on the '50s explanation of what their planet looks like. And uh, sure. Yeah. You know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what? What would the the 2020s explanation of what this planet would look like? Look like? Um, I don't know, but I'm just saying, if I was brought to an alien planet and it looked like what I was picturing when you were explaining it to me, I'd be pretty pissed. I'd be like, "Wow, this is fucking lame. Take me back. <laughs> <laughs> I want my fucking money back." <laughs> Take this pro right. me and take me home. I still don't think space is real. So, uh, you know, I'm like, I'm in and out of this at the same time. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, it could be. And then I'm like, but you can't leave the earth. So I don't know. All right. Let's move on. I'd like to get halfway through before we cut this episode off and we're a little behind. So there have been a few other people who have come in contact with one or more of the characters in Woody's story. According to Woody, these are those people. A man from Ripley, West Virginia, told author John Keel of his encounter with a man by the name of Clinell from a planet called Cerebus. The man who he refers to 
has never met Woody and they have never talked before. But yet they both have stories, not only including Clannell, but others from Lanulos as well. Another man who had encounters with people from Lanulos was a man by the name of Kevin from Woody's hometown of Parkersburg, West Virginia. Kevin and Woody worked together for a little while and even developed the ability to communicate telepathically over long distances. On two occasions, Woody and Kevin proved their ability of telepathy to their boss who now believes in their abilities. A couple from Belpre, Ohio, by the names of Dan and Wilma, have met injured Cold and Demo Hassan on a few occasions at the Derenberger residence. They have become good friends of the people from space. A woman and her two friends had an encounter with a ship and the two people from Cerebus named Jitro and Elvane Kletoff. The encounter happened after a visit to her new summer home with her parents ended with her father feeling very uneasy. The next night, when she came back, she saw a large craft in the sky directly over the little Kanawha River where her cabin was located and left. The next night, she showed back up with her two friends, Mary and Grace, and they witnessed the men on the craft lower down to the ground and waved to her neighbor, a man by the name of Woody Derenberger. Aha, see? A doctor by the name of Alan Roberts visited Woody at his home in November of 1966. Dr. Roberts was interested in Woody's story and requested to talk with the men from space. Woody told him that he would reach out to Indrid and tell him that he was interested in talking with him. One day, when the doctor and his wife were over at Woody's house for a visit, one of their children had called to tell him that there was a man in the house and that the other two children were hiding upstairs. The doctor and his wife sped home and were stunned to find a note written on the fogged up kitchen window saying, left because children will come back another time. Demo. Demo, obviously being Demo Hassan, one of the men from the planet Cerebus. Dr. Roberts was visiting the Derenbergers one night in late December of 1966 when a craft landed on Woody's property and Demo exited and Dr. Roberts finally got his chance to meet a man from space. Since then, he has met with Indrid and a few others and has even learned to speak telepathically with others that share the ability. A woman by the name of Ellen Paris had an episode with her health at a grocery store one day. Before her health episode, she had been in contact with Indrid and very much wanted to go to Lanulos after being offered, but she was afraid of flying and could not gather the courage to board the spacecraft and fly through space to a planet far, far away. During her health issue, she remembered a man through her painful haze who asked her if she wanted to go to Lanulos. She replied yes and was driven to a rural area and remembers getting to Lanulos and being escorted through what she called Gathering 27 by two women who matched the physical descriptions of Beldine Voss and Kenny Cold. On July 19, 1968, Woody was giving a lecture at the University of Youngstown to a small group of professors from the university. After the lecture was done, he took the group outside and called for a showing of a spacecraft via telepathy. Not only one, but two craft showed up. They didn't land, 
and the group didn't have contact with actual people from the ships, but the display alone was enough to convince many that Woody was serious about everything he said. Another ship landed in Parkersburg in July of 1968 and was witnessed by many people, including two police officers. On August 31st, 1968, Woody was giving a small lecture to a few people at the home of Roger and Mabel Sherman. As his tradition, after the lecture, he took them all outside and began telepathically requesting a show of the ship. This time, a man showed up in the tree line of the woods and spoke to Woody's mind. This man was Demo Hassan, the man from the planet Cerebus. Woody began to walk to him, and as he began walking towards him, the owner of the house, Roger Sherman, began to follow Woody. Soon after, Demo began to run away, and Roger ran in pursuit, and Woody followed at a distance. Roger followed Demo for a while into a heavily wooded area as he was about to enter the area far behind Demo. He noticed the ship in the air emitting large red spark-like substances, and ran back to Woody instead of going closer. Demo reached out to Woody, telling him not to bring anyone closer than they are right now, as they are having issues with their gravity coils and are running troubleshooting at the moment. Woody and Roger watched for a few minutes, in awe before going back to Roger's house and grabbing everyone else so that they could see the spectacular showing of an actual spacecraft up close. Woody watched as everyone stared in amazement and some in fear and was very happy that he was doing exactly what Injured wanted of him. One other public showing of an unidentified craft was credited to Woody at another small lecture, this time at the home of Miss Rose North of Avon Lake, Ohio. So what do you guys think of those other instances where other people came in contact with people from Lanyos? Did anyone snap a picture? Oh, I don't I don't know. Honestly, I have no idea. I didn't look that up. Hmm. So I can't say no, but I also can't say yes. Do you know anything, Ashers? Yeah, I mean, um, well, as far as the picture question goes, I am also trying to, to chase that lead. Tanya says that they do exist. But where? But then, where are they? You know. So, so there are pictures of well that are thought to be of injured Cole, Demo Hassan, and Carl Ardo. Like those pictures are easily like you can Google those. Yeah. No, Tanya says that they have family photos together, and so right. when I met up with Tanya, she was just uh, I'll tell you, Tanya. Okay, so Tanya lives in Parkersburg, West Virginia, which is, again is a, a shithole. I mean, you know, <laughs> if she's listen, if she's in it for the money, it ain't there. Um, you know that. So that that element I've already eliminated. But she was living in a nursing home. Uh, Tanya's got really bad MS, and um, you know, so she, but she was moving into a home, and so um, you know, and and I talk to her on the regular. I mean, I think I've got an unread message from her right now. But I've only physically been able to meet up with her the one time. She's moving into her home, and I asked her about pictures. She said, they have family photos together. I'll dig them out for you. So we'll see what happens. But I have wondered that. Anyway, in regards to, like, these other people having these experiences, um, that is another piece of the puzzle that I think adds to the credibility um, is that there are so many people that, that claim to have these these experiences. Um, you know, now, granted, do I think that every single one of them is is truthful? Absolutely not. Um, but even if one of one or two of them are, 
Um, but that just makes the story that much more interesting, doesn't it? Yeah. I am dying to know if that unread message says anything about stop talking about Indrid. Could you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> That's a really good question. Should I check it? Do you want to know what it says? I don't Well, I mean, you're more than welcome to check it. But I mean, if it you don't have to share the contents with us, but I that would be absolutely mind blowing if some like somehow she's like in conversation with with uh someone from Lanulos and they're like, yo, this is going down. You need to stop this shit. <laughs> well, so I did check it and um it's it's she she has an infection and hope it doesn't turn into sepsis. So that's <laughs> okay all right good <laughs> no she's she's been she struggles a lot with her health but you know that's just i mean we just talk about everyday things not just injured yeah, yeah, but yeah. I, i've yeah. i've had some like questions that i've been writing down and i, I definitely want to ask her um and, and i try to like i'll write them down and then i'll like try to sit down with her and talk to her um and ask the questions as we go but this is this has definitely helped you know so that's great good good yeah. what about you guys nope um nope i got nothing new Okay. Yeah, no, I was just asking about the pictures and stuff because he keeps, I mean, he keeps having these uh, lectures where he's inviting other people to come and look at it. Now, I don't know if he's saying beforehand, being like, hey, we're going to go look at Indrid Cold in his spaceship, um, in which case, absolutely bring up, you know, some form of, a, you know, photography taking equipment, some sort of a camera. There's the word. There's the nomenclature. Um, but, uh, or if it's just like an impromptu, like, Hey, yeah, this is the area where it was at and all that sort of stuff. And even still, like if you're around this guy with this incredible story, you don't want a picture of him, you know, or anything like that. And then, and then they see the craft and everything. And it's just like, no one's taken a picture or they have, and they're just super hard to find. And it's like, either way, it doesn't lend into the way people actually are. So my question here, forgive me because I don't know the technology of this time, but how readily available was a personal camera in the 60s in West Virginia? You know, I don't know if that's something that everyone's going to have on them. You know, I think that's a really good point. Yeah. As far as the cameras things go, it looks like they had a lot of different types of cameras. Kodaks. um was the major one they had a bunch of other ones but they had like the small little secret agent ones little flat ones little rectangles and stuff and video cameras and everything just took regular film so i mean i can't imagine it was too crazy or out of the ordinary to have a camera readily readily available i mean why not i mean if you're gonna go meet a celebrity a celebrity (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean, in this circumstance, I mean, he's being yeah. crawled around in the earlier stages by hundreds of people that are, like, camping out in front of his front yard, climbing his trees with shotguns. I mean, <laughs> you know, he's somewhat <laughs> of a local celebrity. He yeah. is, yeah, definitely. I mean, if, if he is giving lectures, you know, you would think that there would be a picture, like, let's take the one from Youngstown. I mean, that's a that's a university. So if you're at a lecture, you would think that maybe there would be a picture taken. I don't know. The other That's side of it is maybe they did take pictures and the film came out white or black. Uh, like you know? like in uh, Rendlesham, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, that is, that's a good question. Who knows? Who knows? That's a good question. Well, I guess we'll have to dive into the rest of this next week. 
Sounds good to me. Well, that is going to conclude part two of our series on the injured cold story. Stay tuned. Asher said that she will be back for part three, possibly part four. Who knows? I don't know how long this thing's going to go, but you're probably going to get a good month of injured cold. This is, we might as well just call this the injured cold podcast for now on. Um, <laughs> but trust me, we are just shy of halfway through. We're going to probably try to squeeze some more information into the next time and, and maybe try to push some of the conversation toward the back, or we're just going to let it go naturally. I don't know yet, but anyways, I just want to say thank you for stopping in and listening to another episode of the infant rabbit hole. Uh, before we log off, Ashers, would you like to hit them one more time with where they can find you and how they can contact you and any other information you want to put out? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, you guys can find me over on either at my, my Facebook page, uh, Ashley Hilt. Um, again, I've said it before, but the one with the red hair, you'll recognize me right away. <laughs> and, and I work at ufology, by the way. And it says that anyway, um, you can also find me on Twitter and Instagram uh, at it's Asher's. Um, also check out my friend's lemonade stand. Um, I, I was told I could, I could, I could, I could <laughs> put this out there. Um, you know, ch- check it out. Great stuff. Great selection of, of lemons and, and AIDS that you've ever seen. AIDS. Um, <laughs> <laughs> lemons best and lemonade AIDS. stand. You get lemons and AIDS. <laughs> and AIDS. <laughs> um, oh, and then, you know, of course, uh, listen to, you know, on Wednesdays, we talk weird. If you already don't, um, for, you know, first listen to infinite rabbit hole, uh, you know, but if, if you're going to pick a second podcast to pick up, definitely make it on Wednesdays. We talk weird. So awesome dig it i i can vouch for it it was uh it is an awesome podcast so please uh travelers of the infinite rabbit hole take take a moment and go check out their their show they uh they do some great stuff as as you can see asher's is a well of knowledge in a lot of different subjects on stuff that you love to hear us talk about so please go over there and, and uh learn a little bit more about these things that we love so dearly and uh asher's thank you again for coming on and staying on with us so late and over two weeks and we're gonna about to go into week three so thank you very very much this has been an awesome experience so far yes thank you very much ashers it's been a blast and i can't wait for uh the next parts of this uh topic that we're on you really have some phenomenal insight on uh the subject matter so all those questions we're throwing at jeremy you know you're coming at us with firsthand experience talking to the people involved so that's fantastic so can't wait to have you back and yep that's jake signing off (laughs) right on jeff yeah i'm here sorry um (laughs) (laughs) yeah i was waiting i was like is it my turn or sorry jeff sorry um it's past my bedtime so my brain's not working anymore but yeah no i appreciate you coming on as well it's definitely nice to have a another voice in the chat with us uh once in a while kind of change things up a little bit a little change of pace and everything else so it's been fun it's been real it's been real fun um but yeah i'm stoked to get into the rest of this because as of now you guys already know how i feel about it so maybe uh maybe you guys will change my (laughs) mind by the end i don't know but i'm ready to get into it next time 
I love the things that he believes and he doesn't. I love it. It's just crazy. <laughs> I love you, Jeff. Yeah. Jeff, I love you. Listen, man. Knees. All right. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I don't well, know, these right. days, I mean, that might be possible. Well, if you guys want to know more of what Jeff thinks, you can just head on over to shadowbandpodcast.com and you can get a whole earful oh, of it. There you go. Get Shameless viruses plug. on your on your phone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Thank you to all the travelers for hanging with us on this path of the infinite rabbit hole until next week. We'll see you. Bye. 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 Bye.